Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today we are joined by members of the Babes with Blades Theater Company. Babes with Blades uses stage combat to place women and their stories center stage. Through performance, script development, training, and outreach, their ensemble creates theater that explores the wide range of the human experience and cultivates broader perspectives in the arts community and in society as a whole. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much. Thanks. So um, because there are several of you in the room, we'd like to just start with each of you introducing yourself by name and uh, how long you've been with the company. Any other fun facts? (laughs) Hi, well, I'm Catherine Wolfe. Um, I am actually the only member of Babes with Blades Theater Company here. The three of us that are in the room are all members of the cast of the current show, Othello. Um, but so I'm, I'm here sort of representing the company. I've been with the company since 1997 when it started in a storefront a couple of doors north of here in Andersonville at Footsteps Theater. And um, I've been a company member ever since with a little bit of a hiatus to work on some private projects. But I spent a couple of years as marketing director and then artistic director. And now I'm marketing director again. (laughs) And I'm part of the cast of Othello with my two comrades here. Hi. (laughs) Uh, So I'm Brianna Buckley. Um, This is my first production with Othello or with Babes with Blades. Um, I have been in Chicago for about five years now um so yeah i'm just really excited so uh yeah next to me is <laughs> I, i'm sarah lisbell uh i am a longtime fan of babes with blades uh, i've been in chicago for just over three years uh auditioned for them many times and i'm thrilled to finally be with them a part of the othello cast we're thrilled to have you <laughs> thanks Well, Babes with Blades began in 1997 as a group of women who decided to create their own opportunities in the hope of inspiring others to do likewise. How has it evolved over the years? Wow, um, it's been a long road. Uh, When we started, we were a group of women who had received combat training, stage combat training in college generally, and then had no ability to use it once we got out in the world. There were there was no one casting women in fighting roles on stage. Um, it was it was a different world back then. Um, so Dawn Sam Alden, who is our founder, decided she was going to put together a four night showcase. Actually, it started as a two night showcase, which sold out immediately when it was announced. So they added two nights. They um, performed four nights of fight scenes and monologues, and then it went so well that she decided to put together a full run that was a night of women doing fight scenes, which also did so well that we did another run and another run and took the show to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. And then eventually, over time, there was a core of us who thought that we could be doing more. Rather than just doing fight scenes showing, yes, we have these skills, We thought, you know, that we should be doing something to develop a canon of fighting roles for women because simply adapting or taking scenes out of context and putting fights to them isn't enough. We we wanted to contribute more to development of fighting roles for women. So we decided, A, to start a script development program, B, to start a, a competition, an actual playwriting competition for plays featuring fighting roles for women, and C, to potentially get into producing all-female Shakespeare. Now that, it took us a while to actually finally make that decision and and start producing all-female Shakespeare. But in 2005, we started producing full plays, um, various original scripts generally, because, you know, plays did not exist with fighting roles for women. So we we helped develop some new ones. And then in 2009, I believe it was, we did our first all-female cast Shakespeare. 
And which play was that? That was All Female Macbeth. Over the years, we've done, this is now our sixth production of non-traditionally cast Shakespeare. Um, We have moved from calling it all-female Shakespeare to non-traditional cast because we have broadened our casting scope to include non-cis males, basically. It's, um, you know, anyone who wants to audition for us is more than welcome, and we are thoroughly happy to cast the best actors we can find on the entire gender spectrum other than the ones that the plays were originally written for back in Shakespeare's time. (laughs) Babes with Blades is also an itinerant theater company. Can you tell us more about what that means and how you go about finding performance space? Um, Being itinerant means that we do not have a performance home of our own. Um, We did spend a serious amount of time producing at um, a space on Bryn Mawr that we got used to just because it had the space we need. Um, The shows that we produce tend to require a little more traveling space and a little more headroom than some Chicago storefront theater because we swing swords and quarterstaves and a variety of other weapons and each other around the room. (laughs) So it it requires a little more space than some of your typical storefront theaters. So we find spaces that suit the need of the play that we're going to be producing as best we can. Um, And, you know, of course, that, that fits our budget. You're currently producing at the Factory Theater, correct, for Othello. So what is that space like for our listeners who haven't been there before? Actually, I'm going to have one of my compatriots here field this question because they are working there right now. Sure, for sure. Um, it, it Do you know how many seats it holds? It can hold between like no? 62 to 67-ish. Yeah, yeah. I didn't... I didn't. Did you say I didn't think like it was 200. 200. Um, <laughs> so it is definitely a smaller space. Um, it's three-quarter thrust, which means that there are audience on three sides of the stage, which is really fun for playing angles um, and the corners and the bombs, all that good stuff. Um, it does not have as high of a ceiling as I think we would like. <laughs> uh, just a fun tidbit. There was actually a show there before us. So we were rehearsing on their set and they had a beautiful stained glass lamp hanging from the ceiling that was uh, qu- quite um, in the way for some of the sword fights. I think we were not able to to fully run one of the fights until they had closed and they removed the lamp. Um, it just requires a little extra precision and awareness. Exactly. But I think a round of applause yes. for not breaking, breaking the lamp. The right? <laughs> we broke no lamps. Okay. Yes, well deserved, I agree. <laughs> um, but it is, it's a really, uh, it's, it is. It's it's an intimate space, which I think is a classic. Thank you. Is a classic um, signature of Chicago theater, but is also really really fun to do with Shakespeare because Shakespeare is net is intrinsically so big and grand and heightened that bringing that energy into a smaller space and to an audience that's right in your face is challenging and extremely rewarding. Yeah, both the fact that this is a Shakespeare play in a small space and it's a play with fights in it. So you've got swords flashing just just a little distance from your knees if you're in that front row. What is your favorite uh, sword or weapon to use in this current production? Unfortunately, I play Desdemona, so I do not get any weapons. I'm very upset about this. (laughs) Your weapons Um, are your wiles. uh, My weapons are my wiles, exactly. So I will let the others answer this one. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, wow, I like both weapons that I have, honestly, because I've never actually worked with either of them. Don't you have like 12 in that last scene? Ha ha ha. It's four, you know, they're four. <laughs> Two being the same. 
Um, and Brie, what? Sorry, to interrupt, yeah. what, what character do you play? Othello. I am the Othello. The Othello yeah, is in the it's house. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think honestly, maybe I use my dagger more often. But there's something about I have really long arms. Fun fact, I guess. I don't know. Well, I but really it's really short arms. So. <laughs> oh, see, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like really fun to just honestly play with the sword, knowing like how long it is and like that power for it. Um, it's I don't know. I like them both. The weapon that's being used most in the play is um, rapier, single sword, mm-hmm. but it's also, there's a little bit of sword and dagger that happens as well. So we've all got daggers in the backs of our belts, and um, and many of us also carry swords. I don't play favorites, though. And, you know, I'm playing Iago, so my favorite weapon is lies, lies, yeah. and more lies. <laughs> anything damaging. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, anything that'll get the job done, really. And where do you get your weapons? Um, where do we get them? A variety of places. There are um, various vendors that we, you know, work with. Locally, there's a, a place called Rogue Steel that we really like. Um, and frequently we'll we'll buy things from them, but we'll also have them maintain our weapons for us because it requires specialized skills and equipment to keep things, you know, all in top fighting form, just like with people. And are the weapons what you would traditionally find of a rapier or a dagger or are they altered slightly for stage combat oh god yeah no we don't use sharp weapons on stage no 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 that would be a very bad idea these are these are very much stage faa bladed rapiers um it's you know so there's different kinds of blades depending on what look and what weight you're going for we're using faa blades which is a, a triangular blade which is i believe it is sort of competition worthy but it's not sharp and it's buttoned on the end so that means it's it does not have um, a point that is capable of penetrating flesh without a lot of force behind it. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> what can you tell us about the production Othello that's currently going to be running at the Factory Theater through May 25th? Uh, this production of Othello that we're doing at the Factory Theater is a non-traditional cast, as always, for Babes with Blades Theater Company. Um, this cast happens to be made up of all femme-identified actors. Um, we are doing a cutting that was done by our, our artistic director, Haley Rice. So it's, you know, Othello's quite a long script and um, it's still a good little over two hours, but it's it's a, a little more streamlined and it's um, compact. It really drives. It's a nice cut. Um, do you have anything you would like to say about our current production? Yeah. Do both of you want to just give us a quick synopsis of the plot? I hope everyone's familiar with Othello, but if not. Yeah, sure. Um, so Othello, um, I my version of kind of, you know, I mean, yes, there is a version of Othello that like you can read and it's there it is. Um, but for me, I kind of just streamline a little bit more just because of, you know, I, I also am a black woman playing a black male. So my... Uh, my perspective on it, I think, on what stands out to me is a little bit different. Um, so for me, I think how I would just kind of sum up right the the play for anyone um, is to say that you have this person who believes that who they have worked to be should be able to be enough in who they are, um, and it's earned. And as things progress, they have people around them whom they think have their back uh, at the end of the day, but truly in a way are kind of, I guess, jealous, I believe, of of what they see that that person has. Um, and a person who doesn't really let people in and then meets this wonderful creature that then they kind of connect with and fall in love with, um, which, you know, for anyone who falls in love when it feels so new, it kind of uh, opens up a part of your heart and a part of you that's 
that you don't necessarily, it makes you more vulnerable. Um, so you have this person who then was strong in all of these aspects that then has this, this uh, love kind of driving them in a way as well, right? And then people around them who are jealous of what they have and at the end of the day start planting things in their ear, um, which then kind of causes a heartbreak um, and a misunderstanding even within themselves and between that person that they love, which then spirals back into uh, what I like to sum up as being when you think that you can break out of certain chains that people have put on you. And then at the end of the day, you notice that you're still in a cage, right? Um, so I think that's kind of what Othello goes through. It's kind of feeling like I am above these things and I'm capable of attaining like this love and uh, this joy that's around me um, and being the strong person. And then when that love kind of seeps into you, right, you notice that still the things that are around you are also still bringing you back to the one place that you thought you could escape from. Um, that's a long metaphoric <laughs> explanation, <laughs> uh, which is how my brain works. But um, yeah, does anyone want to add anything to that? Concise it, if you will? Yeah. I can do just a brief summation of the plot itself. Um, Othello is a high-ranking officer and uh, within lives in lives in Venice. Excuse me, lives in Venice. He is a general. He is also a black man, which in Shakespeare's time is very abnormal to have a black man be a general. Um, very high, well, high, highly respected until it word gets out that he has married a white woman, um, and chaos ensues um they are sent to cyprus to fight a war um the war is won very quickly <laughs> almost excellently. <laughs> almost excellently um and while there um othello's ancient or his ensign one of his lower ranking officers plants thoughts in his mind that his wife might not be loyal to him um and is cheating on him with his with othello's lieutenant um, and from there, just these small circumstances lead Othello to think that it is true, and he takes his revenge out in the worst possible way. Um, it is not known why Iago exactly why Iago decided to plant these thoughts in his head. Cat may reasons. yes, Cat may have her own reasons. Um, what you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's actually I think that there was some. Uh, I remember listening to another podcast that. Uh, that Iago is the one villain that doesn't outright say why he does what he does. He says several different things about why he exactly. does what he does. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think it was Coleridge who um, ascribed uh, motiveless malignity, malignity to him. But I don't think it's motiveless. I think Iago definitely, definitely has reasons. I'm not sure that... I would reveal what I think they are, and um, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you whether I think Iago really knows whether or not he knows why. Well, that's why everyone needs to come see the production, right? So they can come up with their own interpretation. Absolutely, and that's one of the things. It's funny you've got you know three actors from the show here, and each of us has our own perspective on what the show is really <laughs> about, of course. Um, but uh, one of the things about this play and the ambiguity of motivation and the um the underlying reasons for why people react the way they do in it is one of the things that makes it so intriguing just as a piece unto itself then when you cast it the way we do which is non-traditional and have actors 
in bodies you are not used to seeing in these roles, doing these things for these reasons, whatever they may be, just adds another layer for the audience to um, to really sort of get their teeth around and, and give them a different way of seeing it and a different way of thinking about it. And to prepare for your role, did Lion just come naturally to you? Or was this like <laughs> something you had to work on over the past year? I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at drama school to learn how to lie really well. So, and then, you know, it's been decades of, of practicing in theater, honing my craft of, of artful lying. Artful lying. There you go. And, you know, I'll ask this question to all of you. Do you have kind of a, a favorite role that you've played ever? In the past. Speaking of non-traditional Shakespeare casting, uh, my senior year of college, we did Henry IV Part One, uh, which is an excellent Shakespeare play, and the all of the rebels were cast as as uh, as females. All they were all women. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then all of the king's men were men, which unfortunately the king's men win. So a little part of us was like, what are you saying by having all of the losers be women? Um, but I was fortunate enough to be cast as Hotspur, which is the um, he is the antagonist, you would one might say in this play, who <laughs> challenges the throne and ends up fighting Prince Hal, who ends up becoming King Henry V. Um, so I did, I got a glorious, I think it was actually a, mm, not quite a broadsword, sword and buckler, but without the buckler and okay. dagger. So maybe a hand and a half. That one. <laughs> um, glorious, like five minute long fight before my death. Ugh, amazing. Um, and so that, that role challenged me physically because I hadn't done much stage combat until that point, but also very much mentally, how do you get into that place where you have the confidence and the audacity and the entitlement of a man without being like, I am a man. I can, I was still able to be a woman and be myself and have a wife and have my uncle, who was actually my friend, Catherine, um, without, but, st but, but still being in that place of, of, a, of a, a man's way of thinking and way of moving and speaking. And it was really, really great. It's so funny that you say that you're referring to it as a man's way of thinking, because that's precisely why we do Shakespeare non-traditionally cast, because we, we think I, we very strongly believe Shakespeare wrote humans. And in his context at the time, the default human was, you know, white cis male. And so that's and that's pers the perspective he was writing from. And that's who he wrote for. And that's storytelling in Western culture has been white cis male centered for a very long time. But the idea of casting outside of that box is to stretch the perception of, well, what is, we're all human. All of us are capable of all of this. All of us are capable of being heroes. All of us are capable of being villains. No matter what bits we were born with or what bits or we bobbles. should have. What? Or bobbles. Right, precisely. You know, so so the, the idea of the mind of a man or the way a man thinks, like we're challenging that that's just, it's, it's the way a human being in this position with this experience might think no matter what gender or sex they have or should have. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different ways those terms get combined. So it's, you know. Well, that leads me to our next question. And we asked this of the folks at Steep and Rivendale as well. Um, and we'd love your thoughts on it. 
But theater allows the artist and audience to address important social issues in a non-confrontational way. How do we challenge each other's beliefs with respect and compassion, and how are plays able to do that? Can I can I just say, for, I'm not sure live theater always is non-confrontational. I was going to yeah, say that. that. I don't too. think it is. Maybe yeah. traditionally non-confrontational in terms of the audience isn't necessarily yelling back. You're not, or yeah, yeah, sure. Back yeah, there you. isn't that like but face-to-face. You would think at the end of the the show or the end of the evening there could be some um thoughts and you know airspace to air that out in yeah no i agree i was gonna say i don't think i think sometimes the best work is the work that starts a conversation and i think part of why people what people think confrontation is um is more of an aggressive way of communicating when indeed it's just that someone is thinking differently than you and you're having a hard time getting that wall down in my opinion. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's confrontation, right? But it's just uh, allowing a perspective that you might not have been able to see to be bestowed in front of you, right? Whether that's checking your own uh, insides on whatever the play might be talking about. Um, I.e. example, I don't know if anyone has seen Dutch, Dutch Masters um, at Jackalope. Show is massively beautiful and it definitely, um, it's about two men, one being white, one being black. Um, and just kind of their transition together. They had like a past before and one doesn't realize it. Um, and then kind of how that plays out. And depending on which perspective you are looking from, you definitely can either feel attacked, right? Um, but it's kind of questioning those reasons as to why you feel that way without it seeming as though it's coming directly to, to you, which I think is why theater and live theater specifically is so great. Um, because I know me as an actor, based off of the audience, my the energy you can tell is different, right? You give a different performance based off of who was there. Um, and so I think in having, uh, when you tell those stories on stage, people are able to kind of take a seat back and remove themselves a little bit more um, to kind of get a wider perspective on, on a, a certain issue um, that they might not have been able to do if, Right. Like I came up to you directly and said, maybe you should think about this because you're not doing something right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, versus seeing it on stage and being like, whoa, that kind of rang true. But like, obviously, maybe I need to do some like self digging. Right. Reflect on myself and see what's happening. Um, so I think it's a really important. Uh, I, I kind of think that that's, you know, what what live theater does, especially, like I said, having that connection, physical connection right there. And then even after the show, being able to have those conversations with the artists, their perspective, what was happening in their head, and hopefully growing and learning from it and not just, you know, oh, okay, and walking away from it. But really understanding the perspective of uh, where that person maybe was driving that character and why that story was important to them. So I think, uh, yeah. And it's more personal when it's live theater. It's not, you know, you can go see a movie that challenges your perception of yourself and the world that you live in, but you can also kind of check out of a movie. Live theater, you're there, you're breathing the same air as the performers, you can see the sweat, you know, the 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 sound that they are making is actual vibrations in the air with you as opposed to just coming through speakers. You know, it's all live and happening right there. It's more immersive and more personal. Yeah. And I think, too, you said, like, how you can, like, uh, the audience can see the sweat and can see you. The actors can also see the audience. Heck yes. You know, and I know some people, some actors, which I love, are those people where when they notice that someone might be checking out and they look directly at them. This is for you. Obviously, you need to be listening. Are you uncomfortable? Great. I'm on stage being vulnerable. So you should be too. Right. Like, I <laughs> love it. But yeah, so 
We can see you just as much as you see us. Oh, yeah, especially oh, yeah. in a tiny little house like the factory. Uh-huh. Get ready. <laughs> Come see us. Do any of you have any other past productions that were particularly memorable or something that really helped shape you into the actor that you are today? Um, I mean, personally, I, it's not necessarily a past production, but I know for me, Othello is one of those. It's definitely top two. Um, one, being able to play such an iconic role. Um, two, being able to fight on stage and be in charge, right? And three, also carrying the show. Um, every time I do a show, I, what I want to make sure is that I'm growing as an actor. I don't want to take on a project where it's not uh, allowing me to grow or something different to come out of me. So I know for this production, that is something that I definitely was like, it's a challenge, A, because uh, Shakespeare is not my thing. Um, as far as having the uh, the education behind it, I haven't really had much of that. However, right, it's a learning experience of being able to tackle this language as well as uh, such an iconic role, especially that last scene, as we all know. Um, and then being able to also have fights in that, right, and be in charge um, and command the stage. So all of those things to me is what makes Othello, I think, probably my top two. Um, and before that, the last production that I did was with Crumbs from the Table of Joy with Raven Theater um, and being able to play that character, I think, honestly, kind of set me up for Othello as far as the trajectory of why both of those uh, characters are driven in the way that they are with the people um, and the circumstances that they're in. Um, so I think uh, between that past one, most recent, and then this one, those are definitely up there for me. And as we said, this production closes May 25th. And then what else can we expect from Babes with Blades? Next up for Babes with Blades Theater Company, we've got our um, playwriting festival that's going to happen uh, over the summer. Then our next season is going to feature one new original play that is of a genre that we have been had that we have had requested multiple times. We are finally doing sci-fi. Then the second production of that season, because we produce produce two plays and one playwriting festival per season. Um, the second play is going to be an adaptation of a classic that is not Shakespeare, and it's being adapted by our artistic director, Haley Rice. Both of those uh, will have been announced shortly before this broadcast, but all the details can be found on our website. So the babes have traditionally worked Midsummerfest for mm -hmm. us as volunteers at one of our beer booths, and this year coming up, uh, we'll have you working on Friday night, June 7th. Great. Um, so the way that works for everybody listening is we have nonprofit organizations staff these booths and then a portion of the proceeds go back to that nonprofit for the time that they worked. So what can we expect from the babes? Do you think you'll have a good um, amount of volunteers out there? And what is your favorite thing about Midsummerfest? Well, um, honestly, we really love getting out in the Andersonville community and seeing the people and, and making sure people are apprised of what we've got coming up. One of the company's favorite things about all of the neighborhood festivals where we appear is the dogs. Everybody bringing their puppies out. We bring treats for them, and we always have a, a, a lot of fun talking to the patrons and making sure people know what's coming up for the company and petting all the puppies. But no live fight scenes, correct, at the booth? I don't think we're allowed to do that in a beer booth, which is probably No, wise. you are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I, we make the rules. And oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm granting you permission. Okay, all right. Feel then. free to to offer that. We're, we're gonna have to see what. Uh, I'm gonna have to talk to them about working up some kind of Stein fight. Yeah, that's amazing. That I mean, awesome. you need the tips. I mean, 
So sure, we will we will take all the tips. It's there you true. go. So the babes will be working the Balmoral beer booth um, all Friday night. So stop on by. So now we've reached the point in our show when we ask our guests if you had the opportunity to trade places with an Andersonville business for a day, who would you choose? I'll go first. I am a lover of every kind of food on this planet. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and say Hamburger Mary's, which I'm sure has been said before, but oh boy. Not only their food. I don't think it has been said yet. Yes, Hamburger Mary's. Okay. (laughs) Um, Not only their food, I mean, dear Lord, but also the atmosphere that they create. Actually, my first show in Chicago was in the attic space at Hamburger Mary's. Um, So a special place in my heart for sure, but they are just such a fun, fun place to be in. So I would, I would definitely trade places with them. I'm I'm going to pick up this thread of, you know, first shows in Chicago and go with the um, Gus Giordano Dance School, which is currently occupying the space that Footsteps Theater Company used to occupy. And my first professional show in, Chicago, in the Chicago city limits after I graduated college was at Footsteps, which led to me meeting Don Sam Alden, which led to me getting involved with Babes with Blades. So, so I'm going to go hang out in my old digs in the Gus Giordano Dance School. Um. I'm going to say, very funny enough, I actually had food right before we got here. So the place that I got that from uh, was Taste of Lebanon, and they have amazing falafel and baba ganoush wraps. And my goodness, I could eat them all day. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that one out there. I'm so glad you said that because I was just thinking you walked in with a falafel wrap. (laughs) I'm hoping it's Taste of Lebanon. (laughs) I think that's the start of a joke. I know. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Babes with Blades, please visit babeswithblades.org. The .org is important. It is, because if you go to .com. It's just different. They're lovely people. They're just not us. Yeah. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call Andy at 312-631-9408 or stop by the store for details.